Hey feminist friends and welcome to Real Feminism, the podcast where we discuss films from an intersectional feminist perspective. I'm your very sick and poorly host, Joe, and today I'm joined by my hungover co-host, Amon. Hey! So this episode <laughs> is going to be really good and please all bear with me because I can't, and my thoughts are all over the place at the moment, I don't know what's going on. So today we're going to talk about Black Christmas as a follow-on from our Christmas movie that we did last time, Trading Places. Uh, ho, ho, ho to all of the Christmas people out there. Um, I mean, have you got Christmas plans this year? Do I have? I feel like I've just got loads of Christmas parties, hence why I'm hungover. That's one of, and then next week I've got two more, three more parties. Oh my God. Um, one's on a oh. boat. It's just work, work like chucking money at us. Um, because it's so busy right now. <laughs> it's well, like, the- if we just throw them parties, we'll distract them from how busy everything is at the moment. Yeah, but the problem is then you're hungover and you can't do any work. So, yeah, next Tuesday's on a boat party. It's a boat party. Wow. And then, yeah, Friday's... Well, because I've got two jobs as well, so one's the other job. And then Christmas... Oh, because I've got my house. I'm going to be hosting Christmas. Oh! So it'll be nice to actually have my family round um, and have Christmas at mine. That's really cute. I'm yeah. really excited for you. I mean, the thing is, it always sounds good, like ahead of time. And then on the day when everyone's like, it's two o'clock and food's not ready, you're like, oh, fuck off already. <laughs> <laughs> Go away. <laughs> yeah. Right. Let's talk about the film. And again, I just want to reiterate feeling very poorly and things that are coming out of my mouth don't make a lot of sense. So I hope that's fun for everyone listening. Because I was actually really excited about this film. Uh, we are going to talk about Black Christmas today. I can't remember if I've already said that. I don't think you have actually. So yes, yeah, probably a good thing to just reference the movie. Great. <laughs> the Black Christmas came out in 1974, which I think makes it the oldest film that we've reviewed so far. Hmm. Um, it's directed by a guy called Bob Clark, who I had a little look, couldn't find anything else that he'd done that I knew of. I mean, I'm aware of. But I feel like a lot of people probably aren't that aware of this film, which is a shame. I know um, I only came across it when I Googled Christmas films and it was like, you know, when you get those random top 10 films to watch at Christmas on a random magazine. <laughs> and it's like, oh, that looks really interesting. <laughs> I suppose we'll do this. Hilariously, Lee had suggested this in our group chat and we all ignored it. Then Amon was like, why don't we do Black Christmas? And I was like, yeah, cool, let's do that. <laughs> I think it's only because I added the picture. The visual helped. Well, Lee had been wanting me to watch it for a while, but I was like, I don't know if this is just going to be a weird film with Lee's and whether no one else is going to want to watch it. So after someone else had like said it it too, I was like, okay, great, let's watch it. It is a really good film. It is a really good film. I was pleasantly surprised. Um, So it centres around these sorority girls living at a sorority house with a house mother, which I didn't realise was a thing. But anyway, America seems like a weird... (laughs) A weird place. It's like, Who is this in, in more modern American films, you never see a sorority mom. So unless they don't have them anymore. It's in The House Bunny, which came out in the noughties. Oh, okay. Because the whole thing is she becomes their house mother. Oh, right. But I was like, yeah, anyway, I don't know. I just, when I think about us going to uni in the UK, you, you just work. live on your own. Yeah, it wouldn't work, would it? No. So anyway, this uh, sorority are living in a house together and they start getting picked off one by one by this mysterious person in the house. They don't know who it is, but he keeps calling the house and he's 
saying all these weird things down the phone and he's talking in weird voices and they don't really know what's going on. But at the start of the film, one of their friends goes missing and um, they spend the whole film trying to... I don't think they find her They never find her, the no. They never find her. You know where she is throughout the whole film. Um, and it, it's just really good. And according to Lee, um, it was the first sort of seasonal slasher and came out five years before Halloween, but everyone kind of forgets about Black Christmas and just holds up Halloween as being the first seasonal slasher. And I much prefer Black Christmas to Halloween. Mm. Just putting that out there now. No, there was a tit in sight in this film. It was actually, yes. For a movie of that era, mm-hmm. it, there was no nakedness. No, I was so pleased. I was like, oh my God, no one has unnecessarily got their tits out or yeah. even unnecessarily. Because um, So we've got a few characters to discuss. We've got Jess, who I guess is the main character. She's spoilers for people who have not gone on to youtube and watched it for free and um, she's the one who survives at the end so i'm guessing well question mark survives huh question mark survives oh yes yeah okay yeah. question mark survives and then we have barb who's played by margot kidder who's in superman and she's kind of more of a i guess sexy she's kind of the sexy one she's always flirting and making jokes but in a in a fun way it doesn't feel like Again, she's her tits a drunk all the time. one, isn't she? Like, yeah, that drunk friend on nights out that you're like, mm. Bob, you're drunk. <laughs> Go home. Um, and then we've got Phil, who's another one of the sorority girls. She doesn't play a huge part in the film. So Jess, Bob, and Phil. Oh, and Claire. Claire's the girl who goes missing at the start of the film. They're all mm. the girls living in the sorority house. And then Mrs. Mac is their house mother, and we love Mrs. Mac. But going back to the boobs, even when Bob was in bed. I thought other horror films easily would have had her yeah, just sleeping true. naked. But um, no. she was not, which was really nice. There was, like, no sexual, like, undertones or references. It was purely about this creepy situation. It was really good. It was really good. So it opens on, like, a first-person perspective of who I was presuming is a man, like, breathing mm. and just creeping around outside and then going inside and seeing everyone in the house and I was like oh this is gross and then he kills Claire and hides in the attic which is creepy because <laughs> he sets her up on like a rocking chair and at one point there's yeah. a doll in her lap yeah it is all a bit odd isn't it yeah it's all a bit strange should we talk about Mrs Mac first because I really loved Mrs Mac mm-hmm. a lot it felt like, in general, the women in this film weren't stereotypes. I really enjoyed that with the girls and with Claire's dad, she's very matronly and kind, yeah. or nice, should I say. And then as soon as their backs turn, she's, like, finding bottles that she's hidden around the house so she can drink, and she's swearing. It just made me laugh a lot. Yeah, there weren't any, like, stereotypical tropes with the film with the girls, no. Um, the characters and especially with her she was just an outspoken mum she was like a mum wasn't she like yeah essentially because there's one of my favorite bits when she's trying to find the cat and she's like come here you little prick and then turns around and sees that Mr Harrison is there who's Claire's dad he obviously sees his daughter as being a certain way he sees his daughter as being virginal and pure and a good girl who doesn't drink doesn't do drugs isn't dating boys and he's expecting Mrs. Mac to uphold those values in the house. So when she turns around and realises he's seen her swearing, she's like, oh, it's um, 
really, this is really very kind of you, Mr. Harrison. Mm. <laughs> and it's just really nice. And then when he turns, just starts swearing at his back, which amused me a lot. I was actually really upset when she got killed as early as she did. So I was like, Mrs. Mac, no. Actually, I was thinking about that because that was normally like women don't go in the attic, you know, in these films. Like, mm. and it was good that she just followed the cap there. And she's like, oh shit, I need to clean this up. She was just a strong female character, wasn't she? Mm. And it also, one of the things I really liked about the film is it didn't feel like any of the women were being really stupid with what they mm-hmm. were doing. So you know how normally you're like, why would you go up there? Don't do that. That's so stupid. Her going up there made sense because she can yeah. hear a cat meowing. So for her, she's like, oh, the cat's stuck up there. For goodness sake, I need to get him out. She's not just hearing a weird noise and thinking, I'll just go into the attic and see. I mean, to be well, would I do that? I think I'd be like, me, come here. But I think we've watched too many of these films to be like, oh, let's yeah, just true. go up there. That's true. And I also really like that they set the scene with her saying to Phil when Phil's on her way out of the house, oh, by the way, when you get back, I probably won't be here. Mm. And then she gets killed by the creepy guy in the house and people get back and they don't realise that she's gone. Yeah. Yeah. They don't suspect anything. Again, I don't think throughout the whole film there's any mention of Mrs. Max gone missing. Maybe we should talk about the police quickly because... The police people made me laugh as well. I mean, uh, was it Nash in particular who was just the world's worst police mm-hmm. officer mm-hmm. and took down Barb's number and she gave it to him as Felatio? <laughs> <laughs> and I like that later on they were like, you're an idiot. And he's like, wait, Felatio is something sexy, isn't it? I know what it means. And they're like, no. What <laughs> you do, sir? <laughs> I couldn't believe it when he... I can't think of the name of the lieutenant. But when he calls Nash and is like, you need to call Jess and Mm. tell her to leave the house, keep calm. Don't tell her that the killer is in the house with her. Just stay very calm. And if you fuck this up, he says something, I shall kill you or something. And then Nash calls her and is like, the killer's in the house, Jess, you've got to get out. (laughs) I think he just, he thought he was doing her a favour, didn't he? That was the other thing when I was watching it. Initially with these, calls I was like why have they not called the police this is so silly and then as soon as I wrote that she called the police and I was like oh never mind but then they never take them seriously no okay it's also that was the other thing I put notice down like the girls just found it normal that this creepo rings every time and like it's acceptable to get this weird phone call you harassed like it's a sorority house you're gonna get prank calls from some weird guys like that's just normal yeah and then when they told the police they didn't take it seriously. When they went to the police about the girl originally, they were like, oh, I bet she's with a boyfriend. Yeah, like someone's come to say, no, we think she's missing. She's not where she's meant to be. This is a problem. Um, and I did notice that um, they only took it seriously, the calls, when I think the dad overhears the address that these calls are coming from. Mm-hmm. And when the lieutenant hears about this, he's like, we need to look into it. But he only thinks that because they know that Claire's gone missing and she lived mm-hmm. at that house. And also because there's kind of a subplot throughout the film of this teenage girl who's been killed and found mm-hmm. dead on the in the park, I guess, in front of their house. Really random, didn't it? Because I think it's just a plot device to get the girls out of the house and Mrs. Mack can be killed. Yeah. And also there's a bit where two men knock on the door and say yeah. they're part of the search party. Search yeah. party, yeah, and tell them to lock the doors and windows, which they then do. And then later you find out Jess has actually locked herself in the building with the killer. 
so I think those two things I, I kind of feel like that's the only reason why it happened yeah. it just kind of moved things along a bit and it was quite clever because I was like oh I can see what they're doing here it was also interesting that because the mum comes in and is like my daughter's missing and they take that very seriously and I wondered whether because although she's a teenage girl I think she was only 13 something like that yeah because these are sorority girls they just think oh they're just drunk and with their boyfriends and yeah exactly so I thought it was interesting that they were like one of these things is serious but another one mm. we don't consider that serious because they're no longer girls they're women and yeah. women can't be trusted yeah because it would be those that view of like rape culture harassment culture especially in that time yeah. um that it was just normal like boys will be boys oh yeah she's probably just with a boy mm. even if she had gone there under duress She's probably just with a boy. Like, actually, how do you know that this boy isn't holding her um, yeah. under her, against her will? Yeah, exactly. I hadn't even thought about that. Like, so she is technically still kidnapped if that was the case. Yeah, like anything could have happened to her hmm. in regards to her just being with a boy. Oh, I did find it at the start of the film when the first phone call comes in and they all just stand around listening. I remember being like, why, why are they just listening to this call? I'd hang up straight away. Yeah. I don't know at what point I'd call the police. I think once it started happening continuously, then I'd be like, okay. That wasn't the first time it had happened, had it? I like, don't think that, so. In the film, they hadn't introduced it as that was the first time. I don't think they did, because yeah. I'm sure they said something about it being... It's like, it's happened before. <laughs> I was quite shocked when the caller said, let me lick your pretty pink cunt. Yeah, I'll yeah. stick my tongue up with your pretty pussy. I was like, this is this film came out in the 70s. <laughs> Such fruity language. Yeah, but I suppose, was that around the time of The Exorcist? It's a year after The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. Having seen The Exorcist, I shouldn't have been as shocked. But I was just like, oh, this was not what I was expecting from this film. But it, it is a bit random, isn't it? Because they're all just merry getting drunk and then there's some guys saying <laughs> quite like your pretty stuff. pink pussy yeah. or something. Yeah, it was really... I mean, they weren't nice calls. I didn't understand the calls because it's multiple voices that you Mm. hear. So I didn't understand whether he had a recording he was playing or whether he was just mimicking voices. It almost reminds me of Psycho, you know, when he puts his mum's voice on. But it's almost like he's got multiple personalities. I have a lot of questions about the killer, but I think that's kind of the point of the film that you don't ever, it's not resolved. Yeah. Which adds to the scariness. Um, should we chat about Barb for a bit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess as you were saying earlier, she's kind of just the drunk one. Like, she was giving alcohol to a child at one yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, at the party. And her wreath on her bedroom window was made out of alcohol bottles. Yes. <laughs> I did notice that. Lisa, was like... She was genuinely an alcoholic, I think, because even in the police station, she cracked open that beer can, didn't she? Yeah, that's true. And she was, re- yeah, she was drunk the whole the whole time in the film because yeah. she calls her mum or her mum calls her at the start of the film and I think asks have you been drinking she's yeah. like oh only a couple I was like yeah. you're drinking neat whiskey or scotch though whatever it is because yeah she just wouldn't stop drinking no and then there's that scene with her and Claire's dad where she's saying oh I know you will think that it's my fault that Claire's mm. run off mm. and is also telling him about the tortoise <laughs> saying something like there's a tortoise that can have sex for three days non-stop I'm lucky if I get three minutes and you can see Mrs Mack trying to be like Bob Bob stop do you think they made her a drunk so that she was almost like an easy target for getting murdered I don't know I thought it was interesting that it wasn't following 
tropes of only bad girls are going to get killed mm-hmm. like in Dracula because Claire I'm guessing I, I don't know whether she'd had sex but they were joking about her being yeah you know virgin, this isn't yeah. a convent so I'm guessing she was less risque than some of the others and she's the first one to get murders mm-hmm. so she isn't safe as a virgin but then neither is Barb who I think we assume again we don't know anything in the film about the only person we know for sure has had sex is Jess because she's pregnant. Yeah, and then don't they don't kill her off, do they, immediately? So No. So I found that quite interesting. That was nice that it wasn't mm. just... Because I think if they'd all been into having sex and doing drugs and getting drunk and they all died and then Jess lived and Jess was the virginal one and that would have been really shit. So I'm glad they didn't do that. It's like this film wasn't bothered about those kind of stereotypes. It wasn't there for that. No, I'm surprised it was directed by a man, I have to say, mm. and written by one. I, and the, the reason why I only mentioned the director is because I couldn't find any women who works behind the scenes in like the editing, producing, etc. roles. They were all white men. And I think given that Halloween, I think Leah said was five years later and that's tits everywhere. It feels really gratuitous. I am mm. very pleasantly surprised. And also it felt like there was a complexity to the characters. So like you Barb was obviously very flirtatious, talked about sex all the time, was drunk all the time. And I was curious to know like why that was. I kind of wanted to know more about her character, which was nice. With Phil, I wasn't really that bothered. She seems like she was that steady friend you can rely on on a night out. Yeah, I liked her when Phil was like, Barb, you're drunk, go to bed. And then Barb's like, okay. I obviously realises she's pushed it too far. They're all characters that you'd get in a male film. Maybe with the exception of Jess, just because of the abortion story. Yeah. Everyone else, I feel like you could easily swap out. But there's, um, yeah, there's no judgment. She just happens to be the drunk one. Mm-hmm. Even from the police officer, even from the male characters. Yeah. There's no judgment. Yeah, I mean, their judgment is aimed at the Nash for being an idiot and believing her when she said that her postcode is fellatio or yeah. whatever it is. And then when the police officers round at the house, I think at that point Barb has been killed and says, um, they say to him, oh, Barb's in bed. And he says, oh, is that the girl? From the police station earlier, better just let her sleep. And then he starts giggling because, you know, she was drunk. Because <laughs> that was nice that he wasn't like, well, she was really inappropriate earlier, we need to speak to her. No, no. He was just like, lol, yeah, just we don't need to talk to her, let her sleep. <laughs> She's, she was drunk. He needs it, yeah. She clearly needs it. I like the way all of the kills were done in this film in a way that set it up so people weren't missing the characters. So with Barb, I think Jess had gone in to check on her at one point because she heard her screaming and gasping for breath. Yes. It turns out Barb has asthma. And then she goes back to sleep and Jess leaves her and it's after that that she gets stabbed with a glass unicorn. <laughs> Oh, so really enjoyed. And again, I think at one point Jess does say to someone like, oh, Barb's asleep upstairs. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So presumably they wouldn't miss her until the morning. Or maybe they wouldn't even miss her until the morning. Then maybe that was the whole out. point, though, because they would have all gone to sleep. Mm. And then he would have killed them all. Yeah, that's true. Should we talk about the abortion stuff? That was really interesting because that just came out of nowhere. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that in the film at all. And I was really pleasantly surprised. So Claire's dating a guy called Peter. And towards the start of the film, she goes to talk to him and says that she's pregnant, but she doesn't want the child. And Peter's response to that is not positive at all. 
oh, this is a good line. Peter seems like a knob. Oh, I wrote exactly, exactly the same. What did I write? Oh. I- yeah, I, I wrote, Pete is a knob. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. We can end the podcast now. Yeah. Pete is an asshole. <laughs> that's all we have to say here. I don't know if I wrote, I thought I wrote down their first altercation where she tells, oh, okay. So Pete says to her, like, you can't make a decision like that. You haven't even asked me. Don't you ever think about anyone but yourself? Don't oh, you know how important yeah. this afternoon is to me? <sighs> so selfish. I know, I was getting so angry. I was like, because... I mean, I do understand that if you want a child and you've been involved in creating a child, why you might then want to keep it and why it might be very upsetting for your partner or whoever to say that they don't want that child. But if you're the one who's carrying the child, ultimately it's your choice. He was just really odd because he was controlling. He did not want her to have the child because he wanted the child. It's because he wanted to have control over her. It was really disturbing when he came to see her later and said that he's quitting the conservatory, which I I was like, that music thing? I don't know. He's gardening? (laughs) And we're getting married. And he doesn't say, I'd like to get married to you. Something I really want. He's just like, I'm quitting. We're getting married. And she's like, "Um, no, sir. I really like the fact that she's like, no, fuck off. Yeah, me too. I thoroughly enjoy that. She says to him, you can't ask me to drop everything I've been working for and give up my ambitions because your plans have changed. Yeah. And then she's, because I think he says something like, well, it doesn't have to be like that. When we're married, you can still do what you want. And then she's just like, Peter, I don't want to marry you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ooh. And I think he's like, okay, well. It's like, yeah, that's a bit harder to argue against if someone's like, no, I don't want to marry you. you never asked her. No, he didn't. didn't. At least that we've seen the film. I Yeah, I really enjoyed that she was standing her ground with him. And because she's right. Like, I think he'd said he'd been at this music thing for eight years and he'd had a recital that afternoon that we presume didn't go well because he then seemed smashing up the piano. Oh, I don't know whether that was because she didn't want to have the baby. I wasn't sure. Oh, yeah, maybe it was that. I, I thought the men that he was performing to all looked very grim. They didn't. They weren't happy when he was yeah, playing. Yeah. But I don't know whether that's just an examination face. I don't know. Don't know what people look like when they're watching their performance. If they're grading it, yeah. It, I think he then comes back later to confront her. And I actually wrote the whole thing out because I was like, "Oh my god, this is genius! This is so good." Um, he calls her a selfish bitch. So you selfish bitch, you're talking about killing a baby as though you were having a wart removed. What the hell are you trying to do to me? He's like what are you doing to yourself? And yeah. I was like, yes, score one, because this is not on her. He's getting unnecessarily upset about this. And then, Jess, let's get one thing straight. You're not going to abort that baby. Peter, you're not going to tell me what I can and can't do. Jess, if you get an abortion, you're going to be very sorry. So they're kind of, they make it seem like he's the killer. Very threatening, yeah. 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 And at that point, I was filling on it being Peter because he's in the house when she gets one of the calls and he comes downstairs. Because um, I was like, how did he get in? I guess someone else yeah, let yeah, him uh, in. Uh, but then is it just a bit of an open sorority house? Like if that if he's a boyfriend, they're all, it's great. It's fine because like they know him. Yeah, maybe. I, I was wondering because there was no one else in the house that we could see at the time. But anyway, so again, even with him being really threatening, because I think he punches a light on the Christmas tree. Something yeah, smashes. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, Peter's angry. <laughs> He's so mad. But again, I like that she's like, you can't tell me what I can and cannot do. I'm my own person. Because I feel like 
at that time, a lot of people would want women to still be behaving a certain way. That it, the expectation is while you're pregnant, you should get yeah. married and have a baby. It's really interesting because I was listening to this podcast uh, by John Ronson and he was talking about culture wars. And, and at some point in America, abortion was okay. It wasn't this political thing. Hmm. We used to just get abortions and it was okay. And then suddenly it became this thing with evangelical Christians and it became a political thing. And so I don't know what, what era that was. Hmm. I wonder whether that was being reflected in the film because at that point, no one was bothered. Abortions were happening and no one had any claim on a woman's body. Hmm, that's interesting. Because I did yeah. think, because she's very chill about it. Yeah. She's just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get an abortion. I'm not having this baby. I'll send you the, the name of the podcast. It's really good. Um, oh, yeah, I do. I like John Ronson. Roe v. Wade happened in 1973, which is the law that legalised abortion. And this film came out a year after. I did wonder when the police are asking her why did you and your boyfriend have an argument because she also at one point thinks it's Peter as well because the caller on the phone uses some of the things that Peter said to her like I think he mentions as though you were having a wart removed Um, and presumably he's in the house so he can hear the argument but the police officer is like you need to tell me what's going on because they're also like is it Peter? We yeah, don't know. And I was a bit yeah. worried that they were going to be like, well, this is your fault. You should be having his baby. What can you expect? Um, and I was pleasantly surprised that they didn't go down that route. Unless it just reflects the director's views of it. Do you know what I mean? Unless he just yeah, wasn't maybe. bothered. Yeah. Like maybe that was just at a time where it wasn't as big of a thing politically. Because now I feel like if someone puts abortion in a film, it feels like quite a big statement to be yeah. talking about abortion, even though it's been legal since the 60s in the UK, excluding Northern Ireland. It still feels like quite a big thing. I think it's because it's almost gone backwards. with the Because con- at one point, I remember like when we were growing up, it was in things all the time. Mm. And you never really batted an eyelid. It was just, oh yeah, they're having an abortion. I feel like there was... There's a lot of stigma around it. What I really, really like is that she's not, oh my, like worried, like, oh my God, don't break up with me. I'll do whatever because I need a man in my life. Mm-hmm. She's like, nah, I don't need this. Yeah, me too. I enjoyed that a lot. Jess was a good character in general. And although there aren't any characters who aren't white in this film, like even in the background, mm-hmm. um, we were saying that the actress who plays Jess, I think, is half. Argentinian yeah yeah which makes her Latinx right no but she was born here as in she was brought up in England okay Olivia Hussey Mm. oh she was born in Buenos Aires in Argentina she has had three husbands (laughs) good for her yeah she spent the majority of her early life in her mother's native England so yeah I don't know if we can count her as an intersectional no I don't know character yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's certainly the worst part of this film is that it's even whiter than the other white films I've seen recently. There were literally two black people in it. Who? Where? Beginning, they walk through, like, the campus, and that was uh, it. So literally just background people walking through. You know how normally they'll have, like, a black police officer in the background? Mm-hmm. They didn't even have that, did they? No. 
I'm, pres- I'm presuming everyone's straight because they all seem to have boyfriends. I mean, they could be bi, but it's definitely not yeah. spoken about in the film. Yeah. In any way. And they're all very beautiful, skinny. Yeah, there's no body type. The only person that's larger, <laughs> I suppose, is the mum. It's Mrs. Mac. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what that's what tends to happen, isn't it? Like, it's the mum figure, the older figure. I'm trying to think of any other stuff I have to talk about. I had really freaked me out that bit where the killer's eyes in the door crack. I actually, I think when I saw it, I was like, I actually gasped and was like, oh no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like this at all. It was really creepy. And also, even though we always knew the killer was in the house, for some reason, the police realizing it. Like when they were running and trying uh, to chase yeah. the call, I was like, oh my God, they're going to realize that it's in the house with her. And that feels terrifying, even though I already know he's in the house. But it was, that's why it was really good, because you were like anxious for them. Oh, and that bit where Phil goes to see Barb and then gets killed, and Jess finds them both. Oh. I don't know, they're kind of both on Barb's bed, and they've obviously been propped up. You know what really got me? What really, really got me is when you just see the hand pulling her hair over the skin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of really creepy stuff. And you never see the killer's face, even at the end. Because I think at the end, to begin with, they the police go down to the basement. Peter has broken into the basement. Why would you run into the basement? I I don't know whether that was her only option. Yeah. I don't know, but I did like that she... So the Nash is telling her to get out of the house. And I think she tries and realises, shit, the door's locked. But also, she's, like, thinking, shit, my friends. Yes. And, like, oh, no, my friends are upstairs. And yeah. I like that she then looked around for a weapon and got a weapon. And I was like, okay. It just, again, it felt like she wasn't being really stupid. So I enjoyed that a lot because I feel like a lot of the time in horror films, the female characters, you're always like, why are you doing that? That's really dumb. You're going to get killed. Yeah, no, she was good. Yeah. Yeah. So we know that Peter's not the killer. You're led to think he is. And the police find Jess in the basement with Peter dead on top Mm -hmm. of her. So the assumption is Peter attacks her and she defends herself. But then later, when the police just abandon her in the house, as she's drugged and recovering from Peter hitting her or whatever he's done, you then hear Billy, I can't remember whether he's singing or speaking. The phone rings, doesn't it? Oh, yes. And yeah, yeah, it zooms out the house and the phone's ringing. So you're like, oh, my God, it wasn't Peter at all. It was whoever this weird guy is who's still in the house with Mrs. Mac and Claire. Because he won't know that she's drugged and out of it i guess he would know wouldn't he i don't know how much he would have seen because he would have been hiding or heard maybe i I don't know because he heard those phone um the argument with peter and they were on the i think they were on the top floor in her bedroom Mm. and the the um the attic not lift the stairs for the attic was still down yeah that was really creepy at the end i think that's what makes it creepy because in the house like still there like, I'm not going to lie, I walked past my attic and I did look up and I was like, oh, <laughs> what could be in there? Ooh. I was all right because I watched it at my boyfriend's house. And now I'm home, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> it is creepy. And when they're all looking for Claire and they're like, oh, we need to have a proper search for her. I was like, oh, my God, they, they're just going to, because I think you hit see the lieutenant like being like, okay, let's widen the search area. Mm-hmm. 
I was like, oh my God, if they keep doing that, they're never going to find her because she's in the house. One of the things I did thoroughly enjoy is watching the police trace that call. That was an absolute treat. I, I, I didn't understand that technology. I mean, it's very old 70s technology, I guess. I, know, I guess but... that was where all the calls come in. in oh, yeah. Like, this is, with that... yeah, 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 yeah. I forget. It was all through a telephone line. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that was like all the physical. Was that poor guy? <laughs> watching him running around trying to trace this call I was like this is beautiful watching this I, I do did... like though how seriously they took it like yeah. I know that initial guy was a bit of a dick but they weren't messing around no I, I do think it's a shame that I wonder what would have happened if Claire hadn't gone missing and if that girl hadn't been killed whether they the lieutenant would have hmm. bothered about it I think he seemed annoyed because he was like this girl has been reported missing at the house. They're getting these calls. Yeah, like so we need to take this seriously. But otherwise, I don't know. But it's um, also because was it one of the girl's boyfriends knows this lieutenant? Yeah, or he seemed to have some kind of clout yeah. with the lieutenant. I or whether it was just that having a guy there, they were like, okay. Because I think he doesn't the boy whichever boyfriend it is comes in and is like what the fuck you, yeah, how that's can, I mean. yeah yeah you talk to these people like that that's not okay and what you mean blah 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 yeah that might have had an impact but I did like that when Jess called the police she was really firm with them on the phone and was like yeah, no yeah. don't put me on hold when can you get someone out here yeah instead of her just being like oh okay um I couldn't believe yeah. it when Nash was like oh well we're very busy at the moment don't know when we can get a man on it um, it's probably just one of your boyfriends playing a little joke. I know, I know. I and know. he even tells her, like, oh, well, you know, we're very busy. A girl was murdered in the park. And I was like, afterwards, Lee was like, I don't think he should have been giving out that information. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, but again, he, he just seemed to be the world's worst police officer, which they reference in the yeah, film yeah, which was. Yeah, rather than it just being now, now, dear, like that's just all the men in the office are dicks because they're yeah. a woman. Yeah. Yeah, it was just this guy. Cool. I don't know if I have anything else to chat about. The only other thing, and it just made me think about everything with Black Lives Matter and some of the conversations I had about Black, black being bad. Mm. Oh, I see. Yeah. For Black Christmas because bad things happen so therefore you know black equals bad because that's the connotation and it's a really random but it was just Mm. it was just some of uh, someone mentioned it to me last year when we were having all the conversations about black lives matter Mm. um that I was like yeah that's actually a really interesting point yeah because you talk about like black magic and being the bad type of magic and yeah yeah you're right I don't know why they called it black christmas just because it's like because bad things happen like Yeah. yeah So, yeah, that's true. And not helped by the fact that everyone in the film is super white. So, yeah. Because you'd think at university, I know there were the, the two background black people walking around campus, but you'd think at the sorority, surely. Yeah. Well, white. yeah, you'd think so. But then I don't, but then, and, I, and I'm only taking this reference from watching American movies. So I could be completely like incorrect. <laughs> That when you see, there seems to be like houses for black students. 
you know they have a very much their own they have their own click like but again i'm basing it on like dear white people and legally blonde and so there might be white people's probably a better um yeah but there might be no factual like actual well i think it makes sense if you think of the sororities that are trying to be very clicky and wants because it from what it seems from (laughs) watching those things is like sororities want to have a certain caliber of people yeah. and they choose like all of the really popular houses choose the people who can yeah. enter and I can easily see how a lot of sororities would be like well we want white skinny blonde people yeah 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 I mean this sorority didn't seem like that but then we don't know yeah. what the yeah but I mean I don't get the whole sorority thing because it's not part of our culture so no, it's it's one of the weirder parts of American culture that I'm like, I don't understand. This just seems to exacerbate problems. Yeah. I, I don't hear good things. I hear some people say they really loved their time in a sorority and they loved that they had like a group of sisters that they lived with. But I don't know. The fraternities in particular, I'm like, this just seems bad. Well, we because we've not grown up around it. We're a lot more inclusive in some in our weird way. Mm. It's more you know like you have you don't have to choose also I don't think I could be bothered me either I think yeah trying to think because yeah because we just got I, yeah I'm trying to think of how it even works in America because in the UK you live in halls traditionally for your first year yeah I don't know if that's the same in America and then you go on to choosing fraternity or sororities I don't know I, I because American university is so different because you don't even go to do your course. Like, you know how we go off and do whatever, like pharmacy? You yeah. don't do that until, like, after. Yeah. So I don't know. No, I don't know either. And then at some point during the first year, I was like, you people, should we live together <laughs> next year? <laughs> cool. I, I lived at home, so I never had any of that. Uh, it was, I really enjoyed it a lot, I have to say. I don't think I learned a lot about being an adult. Because I know my friend Bridge took charge of all of the bills. So oh, I was okay. like, yeah. don't have to worry about anything. <laughs> but I did love living with them. It did, I feel like it did cement and create a bond that I feel like won't ever go. Hmm. It's funny, I'm trying to think if I'm still friends with any of them. Really. Well, it was weird. My uni life was a bit odd because one year I lived at home. Mm. First year, the first two years... I fell into this very Indian girl crowd. Mm. Then as I kind of learned more, so I lost a lot of weight. Came yeah. After the first year, lost a lot of weight, cut my hair, like realised that actually it goes a bit curly, like styled it. And then boys were giving me attention and they didn't like it. So then they slowly like cut me off. Well, they gave me, no, no, they didn't cut me off. They actually sat me down and they gave me um, an ultimatum. <gasps> And they said that they weren't bothered about how I looked. They, that didn't bother them. But because I was talking to a Gujarati boy and we're, and I was Sikh, and I'm Sikh, not was Sikh, I'm Sikh. Um, <laughs> I've since renounced. Yeah. Uh, they were like, that's kind of unacceptable. So um, we don't think we can be friends with you if that's <gasps> how you're going to behave. Yeah. And then what? I was, yeah, 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 yeah. And then... Then I started going out with like the white girls on the course and I realised I actually have more in common with them. Mm. Um, and then they just cut me off. Oh, 
more often. It sounds harsh, but it wasn't because I'd actually like grown up. Yeah. But it was just odd. I, it was really odd because no one ever before, even my parents had never sat me down <laughs> and given me an ultimatum. That is weird. So wait, this boy was what? Sorry? Gujarati, so Hindu Gujarati. So okay, so he's Hindu, Hindu. and I'm Sikh. Oh, okay. And that's not allowed, according to them. I mean, my parents wouldn't have been too pleased with it just because they would have preferred a Sikh boy. Mm. But they knew we were friends and he used to come around and hang out. It was very odd. It was really odd. My uni years were really odd. <laughs> it's really bizarre. It's very clicky. But my course was 95% Indian. Mm. And they're like the 5% white people. I think I'm just surprised that I would have assumed people as a similar age to you would be maybe rebelling against family traditions or whatever it might be. And no, and it's really, really strong in Asian culture not to rebel. Like it's mm. really weird. Everyone just carries on, just cracks on with it, but it just perpetuates it just perpetuates bad behavior, which yeah. nothing's ever gonna change because no one questions it or no one challenges it. Yeah. And then when you do challenge it, you're like the weird outsider, <laughs> the, the, re- the rebel. And you're like, I'm not being rebellious. I'm literally just asking why. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to. Girls our age should just be like, I'm like, I'm 20 years old. But they were all, they all knew that they were going to graduate and have arranged marriages. Right. Okay. One of them tried to set me up with her brother. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of the guys assumed that um one of them it was so funny one of them asked me out this is how much of a geek I was at uni and I was like I'm really sorry I can't I haven't got time to date you I need to be concentrating on my studies oh <laughs> and then that's really sweet and then he was like well actually I can't and then he got engaged and he used to ring me and say oh I really don't want to marry her I want to be married to you but I can't marry you because you're a different caste and, oh my god um, and I my parents had cut me off and I was like not once have we dated you've asked me if I want to get married to you you're just ringing me telling me you want this it's kind of ringing you to be like oh I would be interested in you but I see you as being beneath me so I'm not interested it's yeah, like why, yeah. why why ring someone to tell them that when it was also maybe ask me if that's even what I want no I mean you don't get a say <laughs> it's just really yeah it's really it's like peter being like we're gonna get married yeah 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 yeah. and i was like now nah, sorry i've got to concentrate on my studies <laughs> i'm actually quite busy thank you yeah i'm gonna be a pharmacist one day so i'll see you later <laughs> i've got dreams so <laughs> they do not involve you, uh, thank you it's just so funny holy shit i didn't realize that some of the car stuff would come over to the uk because i know it's a big thing in india oh no 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 it has all come over to the UK. Yeah. That's why it's one of the reasons why I got divorced. Oh. Oh, it happens. I've had it now. I've had, I was, when I was there, yeah, this guy is 25. What? So he was eight years younger than me. So you think that that generational gap would have made a difference. No, he was like, you're a different cast to me. This will never go any further than like this drink. Oh my God. At what point does that come up, by the way? Just it's straight away. Like, so th- that guy I met on a night out, it was really funny because I was playing wingman for my sister, mm-hmm. wingwoman for my sister. And um, I was like, oh, you two talk. I was like, 
to you talk to her, his friend. I'll keep this guy entertained. Like, it's fine. I'll just chat shit with him. Mm. And we end up swapping numbers, end up going for a drink. And then, yeah, and it just kind of came out. It's like one of the first questions you It feels, I mean, I guess it feels really rude to ask. No, it's just straight. It's, the thing is, though, it's easy because then you're not wasting anyone's time. But it, what is really interesting, because so my current boyfriend is half Punjabi, half English and the first thing my parents and all my family said to me were what does his dad think about you because what cast is he and what is he going to think about you mm. I was like the guy's half English they were like yeah but it, but it happens they were like the parents can go off and do what they want but then when it comes to their kids they still force them to think mm. like that but luckily his dad doesn't give a shit but it, yeah it happens it's just it's so funny because they're so like you know, like when you go on a date with an English guy, you go, oh, where are you from? What do you do? Blah, blah, blah. Our questions are, what cast are you? What's your what's your grandma's maiden name? Um, there's all these specific questions that you have to ask. Is that to do with the cast as well, the maiden name? So the maiden name is that because you can't marry someone who's got the same maiden name as your gran, just in case you might be related. Okay. Oh and God, also, like, cut a what, date off so quickly. Like, like, like oh, that's a match. Goodbye. Yeah, and what village you're from in India? Because if you're from the same village in India, you can't get married because right. you're technically like brother and sister. That one makes a bit more sense. Yeah, I mean, I still feel like probably it's fine, but it's but... just so funny. All these random. Yeah. Okay, should we try and rate the film? Mm-hmm. So I think it's fair to say the intersectional side gets a zero. Yep. Which is a real shame because it's such a good film. Yeah, I know. But I feel like maybe the female size, I'd score quite high. Yeah, I would because each of the characters were really strong and the only, only thing that lets it down is the body diversity. But but they never make any reference to body. You know how like sometimes they make a real point of, oh, you're putting weight on or they make some passing comment about eating and drinking. Yeah, I don't think there were any comments on their no, appearance, no. the whole thing. No, they just happen to be that size. Yeah. Is a five too high? Wow. Have we ever given a movie? Oh, does it pass the female Bechdel test? Oh, yes. Well remembered. It does pass the female Bechdel test. I wrote down a couple of things. So um, I think someone says to, Barb says to someone, you coming? And the person responds, no, thanks, Barb. I made other plans. Mm-hmm. Cannot for the life of me remember which characters at that point. I did not know any of their names. But yeah. I think there's a lot in the film where they are talking. Because even when, you know, when they the, the housewoman comes in and she's got that housecoat thing and they're all talking to her. That's yeah. got nothing to do with boys, has it? Yeah, or when Mrs. Mack is saying to Phil, like, oh, I'm, um, I'm not going to be in when you get back. Mm-hmm. Like, there's bits where Phil and Jess are talking about, is Barb okay? I'm really worried oh, but about when they're that. talking about the girl going missing. Yeah. So I think it, it I don't think it was just the one because no. it wasn't really I know the killer I'm making a big assumption that the killer is male because he generally in these I'm films yeah. it's a man. So I know he was a male but generally it didn't they didn't seem about relationships. Like Peter's obviously in it and he's an asshole. Mm-hmm. But I felt like he was there more to sh- to boost Jess's character rather than the yeah. other way around. Yeah. Then yeah, we yeah. got to see yeah. her standing up for herself and what she yeah. wants in for her life. I think a five is deserved. I'm happy with a five. Oh, okay. Shall I tell you what film I'd like to do next? Mm-hmm. I've decided for the team. So because 
we've got three episodes coming out in December, but the third episode comes out between Christmas and New Year's. I thought we should do Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone because a lot of people <laughs> feel like that's quite a Christmassy film. And I feel like it needs to be done at some point and it feels appropriate for that time of year. Especially for like, it's 20 years this year, isn't it? Yes, yes. Oh my God, yes. Sorry. I forgot <laughs> there's that whole thing coming out. Um, and it's on now, they're all on now TV. Obviously, we're not going to watch all of them. Well, that sounds good. You're going to get your geek on on that one. I am so excited. Although, again, it would be good afterwards to then watch a film where the are people who aren't all white in it because I'm trying to think and it's a very white film so Black Christmas gets 5 out of 10 I would recommend watching it I think it's 1.99 on Prime at the moment so go give it a watch Um, it would have scored a lot higher but unfortunately only white people are in that film so white straight people yeah there's who are all able-bodied yeah yeah, there was a limit (laughs) to how much we could score it Five out of ten. Um, thank you very much, Amon, for joining me today to discuss Black Christmas. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much to me for doing this because my throat's really dry. And as mentioned, I feel really poorly. So if you could all give me sympathy, that would be great. If I'm still sick by the time this comes out, I'm going to be really upset. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully I'll be fine. Um, thank you very much to Lee for doing all of the editing and producing and artwork for the podcast. He is great. And thank you very much to Sandra for the music here at the beginning and end of this episode. And I hope you all enjoy the holiday season, whatever you're doing, whatever you're celebrating. I hope you have a great time. My Christmas tree is up behind me because I celebrate Christmas. So a very happy ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. (laughs) And we'll be back in New Year's in two weeks' time, just before the new year, where we will be reviewing Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Bye. Bye.